Picture this. It's blazing hot outside and you need to head to work. You get into your car and turn on the AC to get the cold air pumping as soon as possible, but it doesn't work. Instead, blowing hot air out of your vents and directly into your face. No, your car doesn't hate you. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the air conditioning system, and there's an easy all-in-one solution that will restore your cold air in no time. There's no need to go to the shop and pay lots of money when you can save time and money recharging yourself with AC Pro Recharge Kits. AC Pro Recharge Kits make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience. And the AC Pro app offers clear, vehicle-specific instructions to help you get the job done in less than 10 minutes. So pick up an AC Pro Recharge Kit at any store selling auto products and confidently restore your car's cold air yourself today. Be a pro with AC Pro. The following is a production of Dirty Mo Media. Marty Smith's coming on as our guest. He has worked in the industry of NASCAR for many years, and now he's sort of this global sports icon. I tell him go number two all the way up to a fade and just give me a phone call. You guys like that? Pretty good. So all a guy wants to do when he gets to camp is eat a salad. Just give me a salad. I bet you I don't get three words in during this interview. <laughs> And he said to me, haven't you ever heard of sarcasm? At that time, I looked at him and said, I'm the wrong guy to mess with. Hey, everybody, it's Dale Jr. back again in the Bojangle studio here for the Dale Jr. Download. It is the first guest segment of the 2024 season, and we're going to kick it off strong um, with Marty Smith. So Marty Smith is an old friend of mine, and uh, he's been in this uh, – industry and NASCAR for a very long time. He's since moved on and done, doing some more amazing things, but the segment, uh, as usual, is brought to you by Ally. Um, Ally has been uh, an incredible partner here for us at, uh, the, at Dirty Mo Media and a credible, uh, an incredible partner for NASCAR in general. Ally, do it right. They, they certainly do it right in everything they, they get themselves involved in, so we're very thankful for that. Uh, but Marty, uh, you know, he just helped us recently with this Netflix documentary and, and lent his voice and his thoughts and opinions to a lot of things that were going on in the industry. And people hear his voice, they listen, they trust it. Um, he's very excitable and emotionable about things uh, that he talks about and cares deeply about um, his job. He does it well. He works hard at it. One, of, He's... You know, he's great to his friends. Um, I don't think I've ever met anybody quite like this guy. And um, so we were thinking about how we start the season strong. Well, this is how you do it. Uh, let's bring Marty into the room. Marty Smith on the Dale Jr. Download. A number three AC Delco diecast yeah. that I have, but I thought I bet he has five hundred and thirty nine of those oh, yeah. sitting out there in the back in the storage. Yeah. I figured the one you didn't need was yeah. the number three AC Delco. We take them, man. We take them. I uh, was just saying before you came in here, man, that I'd never, I've never met anybody like you. Uh, not you know, you're you're 
one of the most genuine people uh, that I've that I've ever come to know. Great, great friend. Really, really good friend. Uh, me and you might not talk for six months, but every time we interact, it it it's like you pick right back up where you left off, you know, and nothing has changed. We're both extremely busy, uh, and, but you're very, you give a lot of grace uh, in terms of um, how you treat people. Uh, your work ethic is insane. I've known you for a long time. You worked in the NASCAR.com days and, and was basically just a staple in the industry. And then you kind of busted out of that. And now you're everywhere. And you and McGee, one of my other favorite people in the world, uh, get to work together which I'm semi-jealous about that. Both <laughs> Come on anytime, man. To both of you, man. I mean, because you, you're both two really great dudes, and somehow or another y'all found each other to, you know, to be able to do this work together, and you must uh, have to pinch yourself uh, how things have been going for you. But so anyhow. Well, uh, first of all, thank you for all those kind words. And before we get started with the rest here, I- I'll say to you um, – there's not a lot of people who I've befriended that have had the impact on my life that you have. And I was saying to some folks before I walked in here that I'm so grateful that I know you and I've known many different versions of you. I, I've known the 1998 version that I met when we were young and wild as hell. Yeah. And the person who had to grow through carrying the hurt of losing dad and really carry the sport and then the person who went through really really difficult times professionally and thereby were very insecure and questioned your own ability and self professionally and that permeated your personal life and then amy comes along and i i feel like when she came along a lot of the walls that you had built crumbled you had built a lot of walls around yourself because I think you were scared of vulnerability. And when those walls crumbled, the person that came out of the other side of those walls that, that busted out of those walls is one of the kindest, most generous, thoughtful people. <laughs> and I just am so proud of you, man, as a, a man. And to see the impact that you have on so many millions of people all the time just by being you is remarkable man i appreciate that well you know i think we both have the same shared uh, appreciation for each other and um i always kind of you know looking at there's a couple things that jump off the page when i look at your 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 story 47 years old about to be 48 we are getting up there damn it I, I joke all the time with my little girls and, and my son too, but I'm always like, yeah, daddy's old. I got gray hair. And Lainey's tired of hearing me say it. Yeah. She said, quit saying that. Yeah. We are vibrant yeah. and we are vibrant, but you're right. I mean, we're 40, I'm 48 years old. I would have never guessed it because you are, you do live with a like constant sort of energy oh, yeah. of, of a, you know, someone much younger. Um, how old are your kids? My son, Cameron, is 18. He's a senior in high school right over here in, in, uh, in Mooresville. And my daughters, uh, Mia and Vivian, are 14, soon to be 15 in April, and 11, soon to be 12 in May. And I have learned more from those three than anyone I've ever met in my life. And I'm so grateful that they're healthy 
Yeah. I'm so grateful that uh, I have them because they've demanded that I go inward and really learn a lot about myself mm-hmm. in trying to lead them the right way through a super difficult world. Yeah. How do you balance the responsibility that you have to be going and doing with the the you know the obligation to be present in their lives so you when did you when did you begin your profession like how old were you when you just started working uh as a as a journalist or in sports so the the way it really happened was when i lost ball um, all the way back in college okay. uh, my, first, my first year of college i went to a little school in east tennessee called carson newman college it's now carson newman university i was on the baseball team and then I transferred over to Radford University in Virginia, where I ultimately graduated, where I met Laney. And I did not make that baseball team. Okay, so I don't care if you are somebody who played high school football and that was your last game, or you are somebody like you or Peyton Manning or Tom Brady who gets to go out when you want to go out. There's a void. There's a substantial void when what you have worked for and what you know is – I want to be the best athlete that I can possibly be. So I was lost. I mean, real lost for six weeks or so. And my buddy was dating this girl. And every day she she would come in and be like, you need to go to work with me. You need to go to work with me. And she worked in what's called the sports information office at Radford University. It's basically like the sports communications, PR office for sports. And I said, hell no, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to go take stats on somebody else. Refused to do it. One day I broke down. So I go in there, and I walked in and said, I just want to volunteer. You don't have to pay me. I just want to learn. And to make a, a very extensive story shorter, because of what work I did in there, I was hired by the Roanoke Times newspaper. You remember, you know Dustin Long? Yep. So Dustin Long wrote for the Roanoke Times forever. And when I was in college, I wrote for them, and I covered high school sports and the New River Valley Speedway. Damn. I love it. Motor mile. Yep. And then from there, that then allowed me as a senior at Radford to become, by happenstance, honestly, not my talent, happenstance, the beat writer for Virginia Tech football for the Washington Post as a senior at Radford. So I did those things, and then when I graduated from Radford, I had the opportunity to take a few different types of jobs, but the one job that offered me an opportunity to cover pro sports was the Lynchburg News and Advanced Newspaper in Lynchburg, Virginia. And my two beats were Liberty University Sports and NASCAR Racing. And so I would say I really started writing professionally when I was 20 or 19. But my first job out of school, I mean, my old man was a hard ass. Yeah. He, he called me when I was a senior in college and said, son, you better start making money because you're done. I'm done. You're off my wallet. <laughs> and so I went and started getting it. And you – so when we met around 98, 99, mm-hmm. you were just fresh out of school, fresh – Yeah, fresh right, in, just graduated. Just, just getting into NASCAR. Just graduated from college. Really? And so I graduated from college in May of 1998, and the next weekend, I think, it was right around that time – Um was the Richmond Cup race. Mm-hmm. And I remember having a pit, a media pass for the Richmond Cup race. And I remember on Friday morning, walking into the racetrack at Richmond, 
And I was so awestruck. I mean, I just couldn't. I'm looking around going, holy shit. That's, re that's really Dale Earnhardt in that. That's really Jeff Gordon. That's really Rusty Wallace in that number two car. And I couldn't wrap my hands around the fact that that was the case and the fact that I could walk in the garage and actually see them. But back then, it wasn't as organized as it is now. You had to go get them. And when you were me, who nobody knew who I was, yeah. young, and I had no chance. Your dad scared me. I, I was a little too fearful and insecure to really approach any of the superstars that I'd grown up idolizing. And so I just kind of took a step back. But then when I got hired by NASCAR the next year in 1999, they put me in the Bush Series and the Truck Series almost exclusively. Yeah. And so everybody always asks me still, how did you get to know Dale Earnhardt Jr., Jimmy Johnson, and Matt Kenseth, and Elliot Sadler, and all those guys? So, well, it's because – I covered you guys. I didn't cover Jeff Gordon and Dale Earnhardt. Every now and then I did. Big races, Daytona, Charlotte. But for the most part, I was going to the Milwaukee Mile, South mm -hmm. Boston, Portland International Raceway, Highland Rim. I mean, little tiny crappy racetracks. Yeah. No offense. <laughs> chasing you guys around. Yeah. You worked as a senior writer for NASCAR.com. So where – when? What does that even mean? What, how do you get to senior I don't know writer? What it means. Right? I don't. I don't. I think they just took pity on me and gave me that title. But right away, right away, you so, were senior writer. But not when. So you got to understand how the business evolved. Yeah, the business evolved this way. All right, I got hired in May of '99 by NASCAR corporate. Mm -hmm. Moved to Charlotte from Virginia. Didn't make any money, and for the first time. I had the opportunity to get on airplanes and fly. Very first race that I got that I went to as a NASCAR employee was Sonoma, California. I flew out to Sonoma. Hell, I've been in like five states at that time in my life. <laughs> and so there was so many things that were entailed in that NASCAR job. I had to hook up the timing and scoring. I had to climb up on top of the haul, NASCAR hauler and plug in all these coaxial cables get all dirty yeah but it i and i hated every second of it but i'm gonna tell you something it was one of the greatest things that ever happened to me and here's why because i had to keep officials schedules i had to show up when the garage opened with all the other officials and i had to stay till it closed with all the other officials that was just part of it and that thereby gave me relationships with people like john darby mm -hmm. and all those guys all those officials back in the day and therefore i was able to build relationships with them and build respect from them because they saw the work ethic yeah and then all right so that was my job until february of 2001 when the first network television deal was signed gotcha. as part of that deal turner sports in atlanta bought the rights to nascar.com NASCAR what was that change like because hard as hell it was it, it was it I, was interesting i remember that being a big deal and there was not it wasn't all like roses and sunshine no yeah no it wasn't for me it was wonderful because all of a sudden i had journalistic freedom from the from the industry that's right like from the from the from the from your father figure of that's nascar right. right like when i worked for nascar at nascar.com i couldn't be critical of the sport no you know yeah. i couldn't uh, a lot of drivers passed away during that time Adam Petty, Kenny Irwin, while I was working for NASCAR. And you had to walk a really unique line mm 
in how you reported it and all those things. And then, all right, February of 2001, we, those of us who worked for NASCAR at the time, we were enveloped in that deal and all went to work for Turner. So we could write to a degree. I mean, theoretically, we could write what we wanted and be critical if we felt uh, moved to do so. But Why did Turner want to buy that? uh, Because NASCAR was on a rocket ship, man. Why did NASCAR want to give it away? I don't think anybody had any idea yet what digital rights were. Yeah. Nobody had any idea what it was going to become and the value therein. Yeah. And so NASCAR got millions of dollars from Turner just to say, oh, okay, well, here. I think they realized rather quickly, wait a minute, they can write that? They can say that about – wait a minute. And it did create some unique circumstances. And so – then of course the first race of two thousand one is the is the race where your father died, and it the, in no way, shape, or form was Turner capable or prepared for the volume of traffic that was to come from that yeah. from the biggest story in the history of the sport, and it shut down the server immediately, and I mean it was it was quite a you know quite a a, a transition. But I was so grateful for Turner and my time there because I really started to find my voice there. I didn't find it yet because I was still very young and very insecure about myself and trying to be liked. My greatest insecurity is I like to be liked even still to this second. And so I just tried to mold a voice, and they gave me so much runway, man. They were like, here, it's a blank canvas. Go create it. And I'm forever grateful for that. Yeah. Turner's coming back into the sport. Mm-hmm. Is it the same Turner that? I have no idea. Yeah, no clue. So what was Turner like? If I was to go work for Turner, what am I expecting? I will tell you, when I went there, it was absolutely wonderful. The It was Mark Lazarus. It was Drew Reifenberger. Scott Bailey were the individuals that were really my bosses for them and they were smart enough i give them a lot of credit that they respected the information and the credibility that we we the writers had in the garage area and so they let us write stories or report on stories that we felt were interesting and important and i wrote some things that were really stupid like what um I remember writing a piece that the in that the Brickyard 400 was encroaching on the Daytona 500 as the biggest event in the sport, and um, I remember the feedback from the hardcore fans. Well, I bet they didn't. They like did that. not like it. <laughs> and to to y'all's credit, you guys you guys were right, and I was wrong. Did I say anything? Um, you were not thrilled with me. Oh no. <laughs> You, 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 that's one thing about our relationship that I've always appreciated, and I'll get into that in a minute, but you always checked me, man. Like, <laughs> you always checked me when I said something that was probably I, – I couldn't see the broader picture. I was looking at the end of the hood instead of the corner, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I wrote some regrettable things. I remember writing something when the car of tomorrow came in that – Y'all better just get used to it because it's not going anywhere. And that was such a dismissive thing to say to the fan base. 
and to the competitor base yeah. because that thing was a car. Yeah. And it was uh, not a great decision. And I just had this thought process that hey it's here we it's may as happening. well we may as well figure out how to make it the best that it could be that's kind of where that's kind of the way i look at things now i didn't then and you got to remember like as a driver we're narrow we oh, yeah. we're like we see it so narrow and fine like you the real truth of in in the real opinion is a lot bigger and a lot broader and there's a lot of reasons why all these things happen and so you know i can't i hope that um i don't know I um. Why do you think the car? I, I don't think you ought to be that hard on yourself. Your opinion about the car tomorrow and just getting used to it and it's here, you know, you sh- is a, is the right opinion. It is the right opinion. But he- hearing it as a driver in two thousand and eight and being disgruntled about it <laughs> and hating it, and driving it and hating it more, um, was was difficult to swallow. Knowing that you're right. Yes, it is here. We should wrap our minds around it. We should embrace it because it's it is what we're going to have to drive, whether we like it or not. But uh, yeah, I do not agree uh, with your old opinion about the indie, <laughs> about the indie, indie, uh, the brickyard. But I was wondering, you know, with so back then, when did you become a father? I became a father on uh, November tenth, two thousand five. Two thousand five. So, what were you doing in two thousand five? I was writing for NASCAR. Well, yeah, I was writing for NASCAR dot com. Yep, still traveling all the races and all that, right? But, yep. So okay. Now you're now I want to get to this question for before we get way down the line but now you are are now your tra- is your travel today more yes right and you're going longer you're no. far you think your your trips are shorter I am you're in and out I am I am so convicted about coming home and about being present and about rerouting myself in within my home and within my family at all costs and that's not always easy i could go assignment to assignment but if i can get in to the university of alabama and i can do a feature for college game day and then i can turn right around go back to birmingham airport and fly home even if I land at 10.30 at night and I get home at 11.30 at night, I sleep in my bed with my wife and I get up and I make my kids their lunches and their breakfasts and I take my girls to carpool and then I'll go back to the airport again to fly somewhere else. Because I, as, as much as I know they need my energy, they need to feel me, they need to smell me, they need to embrace me, Yeah, I need it too. And there's a, a beautiful energy that comes with rerouting yourself that way. And uh, I think it would be easier on my body and easier. I think it would be be easier to just go to the next hotel. But my yearning to not do that is, is a very strong gravitational pull. Yeah. And so how do you um, – how does your employer feel about – those decisions oh they're they're all in they're all in. oh yeah they 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 want espn is tremendous about it go first of all you better be really good at what you do mm-hmm. but when you're really good at what you do if that's what you need you do it and there was a segment uh in december during the lead up to the college football playoff 
and into the college football playoff where I went to the Rose Bowl where I was on 13 airplanes in 11 days. Damn. And they're commercial airplanes, Junior. They yeah. ain't right. You ain't flying ain't private. PJs. Uh-uh. And I do not like the airport. I struggle with it more and more. Why? Um, I like the airport. I mean, I don't do it every day, but when I go, I kind of enjoy. It's like a. It's kind of like, yeah, the lines, the hassle, the 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 getting in and to your gate. But then it's like a mall inside. It's like food and shopping and. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm glad you enjoy. You it. You don't see it that way. No, I don't. Uh, and I think it is the. I think it's the anxious energy that comes with all of the timing involved in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then once I get on the airplane, I'm able to breathe a little bit, but more often than not, I'm flying directly to an assignment. You got And be. I am not flying to an assignment that is something that doesn't require preparation. I'm flying to an assignment that requires tremendous preparation mm-hmm. because what I've learned, and you were one of the first people that taught me this, you you get what you give. And in by that I mean if I show up to an interview with Dale Earnhardt Jr., especially in 2004, 5, 6, <laughs> unprepared, expecting you to just give me great content, and I'm not prepared for that, and I ask you a bull sorry question that has no depth, you're going to give me back what I gave you. And that has followed me, Nick Saban, Tiger Woods, you name it. I prepare voraciously. So when I get on that airplane, I'm not taking a nap, man. You know, it's your mind is on. Yeah. And so that's one thing I don't understand how how you manage that because I assume that you don't take a minute off. If you're headed to an assignment, your mind is working that assignment all the way up until the minute the camera turns on. And so how do you um, but that's that's who you are. So I don't. I mean, it's not how do you do that. It's like, I guess how one of the things that I'm most curious about is you talked about walking into that racetrack at Richmond and and looking around and going, damn, look at these these are the f-ing dudes, man. Totally. Holy moly, I don't belong <laughs> here. Or wow, this is huge and I feel so small. Now you're. You're, you're, you've interviewed and will interview all the icons all over sport. You're in these really, really big environments, especially in college sport. You're placed in front of, um, you're placed in, you're placed in situations where, uh, you're, it's intimidating. I don't know that you feel it as much as you used to, um, but, like the work that you do today and the people that you're in contact with, I don't know where the confidence comes uh, to be able to do that so successfully. You, when you're talking in front of a cameraman, like you believe the words that are coming out of your mouth. This ain't something scripted or rehearsed or you're not just pulling from, you're not just pulling stats and, and numbers and just spitting all you know, spitting out thing you have, you're, you're telling me the how and the why, and I don't know. And you're doing it with such confidence and oftentimes with an iconic individual on your, at your side that you're talking about or, you know, and so 
I just am to see you go from the NASCAR days to where you are today. And I've watched the whole process. I don't know how you're able to run in those circles because it seems just they're, you know, sports athletes, coaches, these are very strong mental minds, right? They're, they're, they don't bull****. They see, they, you know, they, they see, they see, they can tell when you're weak. They can tell when you're unsure. They can tell when you're not 100% confident. But you never let them see that because you're never that. You're always like 100% switched on. And so that didn't, I don't know that that came from your NASCAR days, but where did you learn or where did you develop this ability to be great in those big moments, stay humble, stay stay approachable, connect, you know, everybody in the world walks up to you and you, you talk about it all the time. People coming up to you and saying, hey, man, I've been watching you. I'm a big fan. And you, you connect and talk to anybody. You're never too big to – you're never too busy. Um, but, man, you always succeed uh, in these massive moments. And you've sort of transcended this sort of racing world that you, you, know, you kind of grew up in. Now you're this sports guy. You're not just Marty the NASCAR.com guy that you were decades ago. How did that happen? That, to me, I think is the one thing that I can't understand about you. Um, I know you're 47 years old. You got a lot of years. You got a lot of experience. I think it's a multi-tiered answer. Uh, I think, first of all, I think it was people who believed in me, and those were people who I had no real reason to believe in me yet. They gave me time insight perspective vulnerability storytelling that i hadn't earned and didn't deserve and i remember when i and and i'll tell you too it's also laney because if you're somebody who is evolving we're all evolving but if you're somebody who is doggedly determined in that evolution to prove that you belong and not only belong, but that you are a voice of reason and, and a voice that should be respected. You have to have a very, very strong partner. And I said to her recently that the man she married is not the man she's married to now. I've been married to my wife for 24 years. I've been with my wife for 27 years. And the man she married was just a damn heathen and trying to figure myself out and try to build some kind of career and and all those things and the man she's married to now i feel like and i hope is the best version yet because i've had enough failure and i've repurposed enough of that failure as fuel to continue to try to grow and evolve and she has been willing to do that with me Despite all those airplanes, all those hotel rooms, all that time where she's a single mom, especially when our kids were very young and I was still doing NASCAR full time with ESPN and I come home from the final race of the 2014 season, I walk in the door from Homestead Speedway. I've signed a brand new contract with ESPN that wasn't supposed to start till January 1st of 2015. I walk in the door in mid-November 
of 2014, and we have eight, five, and two at home. And I had done 20 races in a row. And NASCAR races for the media are five-day weeks. You leave on Thursday morning. You, you're gone at the racetrack Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You come home Monday. That's the way it is. And she was a single mom for that whole 20 weeks in a row with an eight-year-old son and five- and two-year-old daughters. And she had to clean up the piss. And she had to make all the meals. And she had to run them around all over the place, into the carpool and all those things. While I'm off chasing race cars and chasing a dream. So I come home from that race and I walk in the door and by God, I'm, hey, dad's home. I'm ready to strong arm all the strife into a cord. Drop my bags. And at the time we were living in a different neighborhood and it was a wide open floor plan. And I look across the, 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 the house and she's right over here at the kitchen sink with her back to me. And I expect, welcome home, honey. She turned around. She had tears running down her face, and she said, Martin, I just need you home. i got to have you home because she was exhausted. And I was such – I was – I considered myself – I guess conceited was the word I would use or insecure or something because I did not – I didn't say anything, but I did not take the right approach to that. That hurt me, and I postured as a result of that like I – she wasn't telling me I'd done something wrong. Yeah. She was simply telling me, I'm so glad you're here because I need help. Yeah. And then I told her, don't worry, honey. I'm not going anywhere for six weeks. And when, when January gets here, I don't know where I'm going. I sat down on my couch. I opened up my phone. Very first email is from a guy named Lee Fitting. And Lee Fitting was the executive producer of College Game Day. Arguably the biggest property at our company. And it said, hey, Marty, Lee Fitting, I'm the executive producer of College Game Day. I love your passion. It belongs in college football. (laughs) You need to start studying it because I'm going to embed you with one of the four teams that qualify for the inaugural college football playoff. And I'm sitting here looking at this going, holy So I called her. And I said, hey. And she answered the phone. She will dispute this to this day. But she answered the phone. Where are they sending you? She just knew. And trying to explain to her the opportunity that was at hand right there was impossible because she didn't care. No. She wanted me. She didn't care. But I had to tell her, if you'll just trust me on this, this email is a treasure map because I know if I'm willing to follow its direction and dig deep enough with inside myself, we're going to have riches beyond our wildest dreams. And I ain't talking about money. I'm talking about life experience. Yeah, And she will tell you she didn't have any choice because I was going to do it, and she was right. And we have had tremendous life experience. But really, that's the foundation of it is her willingness to tolerate it. And then there's just been countless people, whether that's Coach Saban, who's supposed to be this crazy, intimidating figure. First time I met him, I'm standing in his driveway in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And he walks out of the house, and he's got this smile on his face, and he walks around and shakes hands with every single person in the crew. And we get in his car, and I start asking him questions because I had prepared what I thought were questions that might at least not be the same he gets asked all the time. And he laughed a lot. Horse laughed. Damn horse laughed. And I thought, man, I might, I might have something here. 
But he could have been standoffish. He could have been rude. I've never met this guy before. And he's one of those people that if he doesn't know you, he might not be that open. So there's been so many of them. And I'm sure I've told you the Tiger Woods, first time I met Tiger Woods. Oh, my God, you're directly involved in this story. So I get the opportunity uh, in March of 2018 to go interview Tiger Woods. And we are interviewing him at Medalist Golf Club down in Hope Sound, Florida, his sort of home course. And the way I operate now, which you're also directly involved in in another way, is I will study my ass off and I will prepare any question that enters my mind during the study, I'll put on paper. Yeah. I don't care what it is, I'll put it on paper. Well, then when I feel like I've studied as much as I can, I will pare that list down ultimately to about 10 questions. And then I will study those 10 questions and study those 10 questions over and over again. And then before the interview starts, I'll crumple it up and throw it away. Because <laughs> I want us to have a conversation. I want to have open ears and a closed mouth. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting in the lobby of the Medalist Golf Club preparing for Tiger Woods. And I'm going over those 10 questions, going over those 10 questions over and over again. And I do have some anxious energy. It's Tiger f-ing Woods. Mm-hmm. So... All of a sudden, this shadow washes across the doorway. And I look up and to my left, and it's Tiger Woods. And I jump up. I'm like, holy, jump up to shake his hand. He goes, hell no, brother, bring it in. And he gives me this big hug. I'm like, wow. And he goes, you want to know the most awesome thing I've ever seen on ESPN? I said, what? He goes, Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s last race when you guys shotgunned that beer together right there beside his race car. <laughs> he said, when I saw you do that with him, I knew that, that that's my guy. I, that I'm going to get along with that guy. Yeah. And it, him saying that disarmed any insecurity or anxiety I had about doing that interview with him, and he was amazing to me that day. And I just felt like it was so wonderful that him seeing that, our friendship together, because that was one of the most special moments of my life when we had that moment together, and that it really injected into him that, man, this dude's a regular dude who appreciates his friends and cares about them on a human level. Mm -hmm. Super cool. Yeah. If you collect diecast like I do, the beginning of the new NASCAR season, that's when you start thinking about what cars you want to add to your Lionel Racing diecast collection. Many of the sponsor changes and new paint schemes that have been unveiled so far are sure to make some great-looking diecast. I'm actually partial to the Chevrolet, of course, but Ford and Toyota, they'll have all new bodies on the track for the Cup Series this year. All these changes mean our friends at Lionel Racing, the official diecast of NASCAR, they've been hard at work with the race teams to get those 2024 paint schemes into production. And each week, we're putting up the latest diecast for pre-order at LionelRacing.com. To kick off the 2024 NASCAR season, Lionel Racing has an exciting offer for race fans and diecast collectors. Order any diecast now at LionelRacing.com, and you get free domestic shipping when you use this promo code, DOWNLOAD24. That's free shipping with the promo code DOWNLOAD24 at LionelRacing.com. You're almost 10 years into that into that game day experience right yep. and you um 
your you know we talked about so how what's next where do you where do how long are you going to continue to do what you do and is there are there next are there next steps next is there, are there other goals are you are do you and you may not have shared any of this with anybody but do you do you sometimes dream about like man I'd love to be I'd love to call a game I'd love to yep you know what is what are some of the things out there that you're like you know anxious to try to do the number one thing that I want to do is I want to tell stories that inject tremendous joy and belonging into the subjects that offer me their time and offer hope to the people watching them. And there's a lot of platforms to do that. Certainly ESPN is one of them. What are the others? Because that sounds like that's not just sports. Yeah, that's that's a lot of different yeah. things. But, I mean, I'm you know me and how much I love music and all – different types of music mm-hmm. um, a lot of songs I feel like and artists have been integral in really shaping my worldview and helping me find self-confidence and helping me really find my voice and be fearless in that voice and so I really want to jump into music more than I even I am now how does how do you do that a couple ways. I, I want to tell the stories of the songs. I want to. There's a book I want to write right now. I want to write a book on the class of '89, and I've told Travis Tritt this myself, and he's all in. I want to do a book because the class of 1989 changed country music forever. That's Garth Brooks, Clint Black, Alan Jackson, and Travis Tritt. Mm-hmm. They're the class of '89, and they took the genre and really turned it on its ear because travis was this just rocking ass very southern rock influenced artist garth was the biggest rock star in the world at that time um aj is just the most iconic guy and clint was this sort of tweener glue between them all and i would love to write that book and travis is like dude hell yeah let's do it and so those are the kind of things that invigorate me uh, I've started nobody knows this I've started my first novel I'm writing my first novel right now about what can you tell us um, I'll give you a little bit okay. I'm I'm oh. writing it. it's really based on running moonshine okay and because I'm really fascinated and captivated by those guys and, and folks who did that and that lifestyle that they li- lived and led and how nervous that lifestyle must have always been think about what they live they're out there in the woods and over their shoulder every minute all this time Mm -hmm. and the way they engineered and the ingenuity they had Mm -hmm. in them to have cars that not only were faster than the law but that uh, were able to carry the 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 volume that they were trying to carry and i just i'm fascinated by all of it and so those are the things right now that are are really on my docket but Yes, I want to call some some games too. I do sidelines now, mm-hmm. both in college football and in college basketball, and uh, to a degree, some in golf. Um, I've I've been uh, I've gotten so much amazing opportunity in golf from ESPN, and it's so 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 awesome. I love that sport, and I love the people in that sport, and so there's a lot I want to do. Yeah, uh, but I don't have a goals sheet. All right. What but, makes you what makes you the most intimidated or nervous? 
I think what makes me the most intimidated is in the field of play, take golf, for example. When I was first offered the opportunity in golf to cover major championship golf by ESPN, they would send me out to the driving range and ask me to get these guys to give me two or three questions at the driving range when they're in the arena. Yeah. And they have very specific routines through which they prepare for their tournament or their round. Mm -hmm. They have uh, very specific methods that they kind of go through that checklist, and I would be upsetting that. And plus, they they don't know me, and I'm out of context for them. What in the hell is the – a lot of them know me as a college football guy. Mm-hmm. What's college game day guy doing here, and what does he know about golf? Why would he even – like, does he know what I do? Yeah. Does he know <laughs> about my sport? Is he going to ask me something stupid? Yep. And so that for – and even still, I mean, there, there are times when that can be a little bit mm-hmm. intimidating for me. and um, But for the most part, I'm not – I'm not terribly intimidated anymore that much. Yeah. Well, you and McGee, um, y'all started, y'all got a podcast. It's kind of turned into a little bit more than that. Oh, it's a TV. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's a full blown TV show yeah. now. And so is that thing just, are is, is that project just, you're just letting it go and be and become, do you have like a vision for it? Do you and him talk about that? I tell you that that show's interesting because first of all the way it was born it the show is not the content as much the sports content the show is the chemistry yeah the show is the friendship and that's the ultimate dream mm-hmm. and so no matter what's going on in the world of sports or entertainment he and I have a blast and can like we spent three two or three segments of our show uh last weekend discussing that we are the world netflix documentary you watch that yet not yet dude you have to it's amazing me and amy were up so i sat and watched the netflix show again with amy and we got done with that last night and that came on to like preview like give us a little trailer of that and i'm like damn that actually looks good it's like i didn't know all that was going on you know all the trials and troubles and difficulties of doing it the the insecurities of the biggest rock stars in the world yep. all in the same energy in the same space yeah super fascinating right you'll love it but I'll check it out but again espn has afforded us the opportunity to do that yeah they've given us this platform that we can't believe and that we honor very much and respect very much and what people say to us you know, we are throughout the Southeastern Conference all the time, and so many people come up to us. I know. Grateful that there's something that sounds like them, and they, it's so relatable to them, mm-hmm. and that just means the world to us, because if I'm being honest with you, Dale, we ain't trying, brother. Yeah. We don't spend a ton of time preparing. We just do yeah. and be, and we have great aspirations for it, but you'll find this interesting. And we've talked about this on our show, so I don't think I'm speaking out of school with him. I called him. I called him about, I don't know, four or five months ago, I guess. 
and it was probably towards the end of last summer. And I said, hey, I need to have a conversation with you. I don't want to get into a place where we end up competing with one another. And I don't want to get into a place where you achieve something and I'm jealous because of your achievements. Or I achieve something and you're jealous because of my achievements. We have to be each other's biggest champions genuinely. And we have to be unified in that. Because I don't want to be one of these bands or these duos or whatnot that spend 20 years on stage together and the only time they talk is on stage. And they really don't like each other as individuals because jealousy creeps in. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be honest with you. I, I think that was a very important conversation because it's just now, because I told him, I sense that I've done something that's annoying you. Oh. I sense that something I'm doing. Yeah has changed your energy, mm-hmm. and I can't have that. What so, did he say? Um, well, he he didn't disagree, but ultimately he was very appreciative that I just took the initiative to t- say it. Yeah. Because it's a light, little bit like a marriage. Yeah. So I uh, – McGee wrote uh, my book, Raising to the Finish, uh, and I got to, I knew him, but I got to really know him during that experience. And so to see you and him become, uh, what you have, uh, is in terms of, you know, your show, but also that friendship that you can see is very apparent when you guys are on camera together. Um, I, uh, I'm, I'm not surprised, I guess, by the success of the show and how it's gained in popularity, but, um, I can't wait to see where it goes because I don't know that any of us really could um, have a vision for where what it could become, right? And if it's handled by the right, if it's given the right opportunities, right, to be to be more, I think it could could be something pretty important. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So, how often do you record that? Once a week. Once a week. And so it's where, live. It's, it's where do you record it? Uh, there's a well okay during football season we go on the road to different campuses and so it's live for an hour it's an hour long show during the fall on SEC campuses yep. and then when it's not football season it's a three hour long live show in, in in South Charlotte down here there's a studio ESPN studio and they built us this elaborate log cabin yeah. looking studio that is badass and we love it we call it the wilderness lodge yep and so we just sit in there and do that yep and so my thoughts on it is is and so it's live on espn yes what day of the week saturday morning 7 to 10 eastern would you ever entertain it being like a daily show yes but it would be a substantial lifestyle change for both of us right and so that would require you'd have to give up something. Yeah, that to, would require on that quite a bit of strategy and planning yeah. on our part because again, uh, we he's just like me. I mean, he's going to a different feature and yeah. you know, he's on airplanes and and, and everything but um yeah, I, I think we would definitely entertain that and it wouldn't surprise me if somewhere down the line that is broached yeah i think so i think that's the next thing for that is that it becomes this sort of um daily piece of content 
for ESPN. You like that? Ah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> again, I mean, it would be a hell yeah. of a change. Yeah. The only thing is, is like, that's a cool, that would be a cool existence. But again, like, does it steer you away from like that opportunity to end up being a play by play guy or, you know, whatever, whatever is next for you in the, in the, in, in, in your traveling sort of gig? Um, that's the tough part, man, is like we get, we are getting to those points in our lives where you no longer just keep taking the next opportunity you have to say what fits yep and then what has to go you know and and sometimes man you're like am i making the right call am i making a freaking mistake um i definitely want to prioritize my family but am i jeopardizing their experiences by you know taking things off the table Um, i think too uh it's also a scenario where there's a lot of opportunity away from because of either Marty and McGee or our ESPN platforms that we get opportunity elsewhere too. And those can be lucrative opportunities. Yeah. And you only have like your earning potential window is only so wide. Oh, yeah. And so you have to also be very strategic about that where it's like, all right. I'm going to go jump on this airplane. I'm going to fly to this corporate speech. I'm going to do this motivational speech. Uh, but I'm not going to be able to get my girls from school that day or whatnot. Sure. And so, you know, you really are – you're juggling that. Speaking. You do speaking gigs. A lot of them. Love it. Did one yesterday. Where? I did one in Raleigh yesterday. For who? For, for Prevo. Okay. What do you tell people? Um, I tell them a lot. and I've you, been, Are you a keynote speaker I'm a keynote. I'm sure you speaker. are. Yeah, <laughs> I can't do that. One of, I have to have somebody. Yes, you can. I, I, I don't want to do that. I have to have somebody there, like to talk to. I like having sit down and talk. I very much enjoy the opportunity to try to inspire people. And again, I almost feel like it's a calling right now for me. I wrote a book that came out uh, in late August, first of September, called "Sideline CEO," where I interviewed. 20 championship individuals uh joe gibbs is in the book christian horner from red bull formula one is in the book saban Dabo sweeney mac brown roy williams john calipari tom Izzo, doc rivers on and on it's like 55 championships in those pages about leadership and these pillars and principles that really make up the broad scope sphere of what leadership really is and leadership is not power leadership is influence can you influence the employees at Junior Motorsports to demand of self, to go be best self every single day, and have you built the culture, along with Kelly, that they want to come to work, that they want to make sure that they're not bitching and moaning and grumbling among each other, and if they start, somebody in that culture goes, we don't talk like that. We don't do that around here. We win. Yeah. And so I have taken the tutelage that's in the pages of that book, I have put together speeches that are tailored toward whomever, to whomever I'm speaking. And it's really word. Like Jimmy Johnson called me from London about two months ago, and he had listened to the audio book. And he goes, hey, man, I need your help. I need you to come speak to my entire organization because we're trying to build a culture here at Legacy Motor Club. And holy man, you got me fired up. (laughs) And I said, sure. And I went down there, and, and I did the speech to them. And 
I got the nicest text ever from Matt Kenseth. Matt, of course, is an executive there now, and he sent me the nicest text, and he said, I've seen a million corporate speeches and motivational speeches. That's one of the top three I've ever seen. Uh, So that meant a lot to me that Matt said that. Yeah. Dang. Um, When you're up on stage going and talking to these people, do you have – does that make you nervous? Like, because – Nope. You're ready. You're fired. Golly. It's about preparation. I know it. It's all preparation. Excellence lives at the intersection of preparation (laughs) and passion. That's where it lives. Okay. I believe you. I just still don't, I don't know how, like I, like if you're, you're, you know, I, I go talk to, I go do some of those speaking engagements and I might, I don't, you know, and, and, and it's for, um, you know, these, it's, it's for people that are outside of my bubble, right? Like you're, you know, you know Prevo a little bit, but it's still a, a business that there's 700 people there. Yeah, I didn't know. I right? knew. Yeah, I knew Steve. Right. That's it. But I mean, you know what the brand is. <laughs> yeah. But I'll be going to these things, and it'll be like this agricultural group or something, and I, you know, a lot of farmers or something like that. And I'm like, you know, why do they want me to come there? And what what can I tell them that would matter? Or That's be, easy. Be profound. And you're relatable. Day? Well. I mean, we have fun, and I get going, once I get going. I mean, it all it, it, it's kick ass, and I, I love it. I enjoy the shit out of doing those deals. But if I had to keynote speak and tailor to certain groups, I mean that the effort and the work. I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know if I have that much time. I don't know where you find all the time to do all this prepping and work. Well, yeah, I. Well, I'm a writer, so I can kind of put put these things together in a relatively short amount of time. But I think ultimately, I think the greatest piece of it for me is I've reached a place in my life where I'm willing to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. genuinely vulnerable. And that took me a long time to get there because I was always so scared about, man, if I really strip myself and share this way, what are people going to say and yeah. how am I going to react to what they say? I'll never forget. I learned a lot from Eric Church about this. I was, we were on his bus one time and Chief, sort of the record that really launched, you know, took Eric to a new stratosphere. Chief was coming out the next day and he's pacing on the bus back and forth. I'm like, what the hell's wrong with you, man? Sit down. He's like, man, I, the record's coming out tomorrow and I'm, I got some anxiety about it. I'm, 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 I'm concerned. I'm like, you know the work's great. Why are you concerned? He said, because it's vulnerable. And honestly, I didn't really understand what he meant until my first book came out because I was very vulnerable in my first book, Never Settle. And I realized the night before that book came out that that level of vulnerability is terrifying because it's genuine. And what you're putting genuine energy out into the world, and what's that mean? You have to be just fine with whatever comes back, yeah. no matter what that is. And that's scary. Yeah. So the NASCAR Netflix documentary or series, whatever you want to call it, you're heavily involved in that. You lend your voice to um, to the series, which I think you did a great job, adds a ton Thank of you. credibility. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're, you, you, you nailed all the work you did in that. Um, when they come and ask you to do that, that was probably an easy yes. But so <laughs> – one thing that makes me think about is like, so 
you were saying it a minute ago. People see you. You're the you're the you're the you're the game day guy. You're the you know you're you're coming into the golf world. Who is this guy? Um, people absolutely accept you back into the NASCAR industry when you when you do any work around that. But do you do you even do you even put thought to like being you know how people perceive you? Oh yeah. Right. Do you care or or are you calculative about what 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 content you work on or what you're involved in i imagine it wasn't like you didn't have to second second you know you didn't put a second thought to doing this netflix deal but you you were the nascar guy then you are the football guy and you know so what what how do you how do you manage that because i get a little i feel totally freaking out of place when i go do the derby and other things but you kill it they put you in a position to succeed Sam Flood or whomever's sure. involved in that, they put you in a position to succeed because you're not out there talking about the horses. Yeah, I know. You're interviewing people in and around the event, and you kill it. And the reason that you kill it is you're relatable, you're authentic, you're genuine, you're not prying into somebody's shit. Yeah. Well, I didn't mean to bring me up because and and turn turn it on turn it into that deal, but I guess I'm. You, you don't want to be a fraud. I don't want to be a fraud. That's it. That's right? the bottom line. And so you're right. I don't want to be a fraud. I get asked to do those things, and I'm I'm like, I should push myself. It's uncomfortable. That that's going to be hard. I'm going to have to work to make this okay. You know, just be good enough. And so there's the motivation for me. Um, but I don't. I'm, not, I'm never going to be the Kentucky Derby guy. You know, I'm just going to do that a few times in my life, and then I probably won't ever do it again one day, and that's that. Um, you have to be more measured about, like, uh, who, how people perceive you and your credibility and all of those things. And so, like, how do you are you, – I, are, you, are you measured or calculative about that? I've given tremendous consideration every time I get a new assignment. I mean, it, I was the same way as you with horse racing. When they made me the horse racing guy at ESPN, I had tremendous insecurity. They made you the horse racing guy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I have I have rarely been that concerned about like fish out of water. The like, verbiage yeah. and I always go back to NASCAR because when I was in NASCAR full time and somebody showed up either in the media room or around the sport that in my mind, for whatever reason, I didn't feel like they had earned something because yeah. they weren't out there grinding, you know, <laughs> yeah, South Boston. Yeah. I would be very skeptical about, okay, let's hear how they ask this question or whatnot. Wow. Because there's a certain verbiage you use. Yeah, yeah. There's a certain way in various contexts of sport. So or, you know when you're in these new spaces, you're being – I know I'm being analyzed. Being analyzed by your peers yes. and other people, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, dang. And I'll never forget walking into Kentucky Derby. I walk into the barn area, and unlike you, I actually did have to talk about the horses. Yeah. And I was so blessed because Chris Kugler, she's the horse racing producer at ESPN, and she has forgotten more about that sport than most people will ever know. She's awesome. Mm-hmm. And she would literally help me tailor these questions these that you know if i was going to be asked something in a live shot 
I'd work through it, and you'll laugh your ass off. One time I called the Winter's Circle Victory Lane oh, I no. called in a horse race, yeah. and she started laughing her ass off. I was like, oh, God. But I walked into the barn area. Going back to people that gave me time, perspective, insight, respect, I hadn't earned and didn't deserve. Walk in there, and I'm just looking around like, man, I don't even know where to start. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start. Like, the, how am I ever going to figure this out? Yeah. And it's Wednesday, or it's Thursday before the Saturday Derby. And I'm just standing there looking around. All of a sudden, I hear, hey, college game day, what are you doing here? <laughs> and I look over, and there's this ridiculously handsome gentleman with white hair glasses and a university of arizona quarter zip on and i said how you doing man i'm marty and he goes todd pletcher so i'm like how you doing man no idea who this gentleman was i said i gotta be honest with you man i'm i'm a little bit intent i'm i don't know what i'm doing here this is my first time i've ever done it he goes come on and todd who's a two-time derby winner he just won the previous year with always dreaming took me into the barn and took me to damn master class and had no reason to do that yeah and that's why i'm not going to get all super preachy here but i'm a believer and i've been afforded like these people have stepped into my path at times when i needed them and held my hand and i'm so forever grateful for that and he's one of them one of the i mean countless people awesome story who did that for me yeah well, that make that makes sense. Um, so, the net, so back to the Netflix series, you've watched it. Um, we're all anxiously waiting on the impact that this is going to have on the sport. NASCAR, in my mind, is very entertaining, and I truly, honestly believe we have some great personalities in the sport, and more coming. I feel like that we're poised for success and we need the rest of the world to know. So um, everyone is going to compare this to the F1 drive to survive and, and, and rightfully so. And we're hoping for literally the exact same result in terms of getting our sport in front of new faces and people. Do you think, I mean, I watch it I'm biased because, of course, I love the sport. And when I'm watching it, I'm like, "Hell yeah, that's a great. That's a. This is it. This is the sport. There's, you know, this is how it is." Um, and they 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 did it as good as it could be done. Do you think it'll do anything for us? Uh, without question, I think that's indisputable. And I I would just use my own friends mm-hmm. as a, a barometer, a measuring stick, in that capacity because. My buddies in college football are all blowing me up because I didn't tell anybody I was in this thing. Mm-hmm. They're all blowing me up like, holy <laughs> man, I'm going to Talladega this year. <laughs> like that was all. I had no idea this. I had no idea that. And one of my college, one of my producers in college football wrote me, college game day producers, and she goes, I didn't know you knew NASCAR, which made me laugh my ass off because yeah. she just didn't know that You're, that was my roots. Right. And I'll, for, I'll forever consider it my roots. But – because the, the reason that I think it's going to resonate both inside the sport and out is because it not only develops the nuance of the races themselves and how vital all, every little teeny piece and part of the 
minutiae and the evolution of a race is. And the beautiful video and the tremendous shots they got and all those things, the aesthetics are gorgeous. But also, it took us into Denny Hamlin's house. Yeah. It took us into Bubba Wallace's mind. It took us into, I, I heard Ty Gibbs say f- for the first time <laughs> and i I, feel, I watch every race still man even though i'm not in the garage every weekend i watch them all and you you learn a lot about the personalities and that matters to people who don't know the sport especially like laney my wife's known nascar for 20 some years and she knows more about the sport than most fans because she was married you know is married to me but she loved it because she loves behind the scenes everything. Yeah. And yes, I think by all means it's going to be a huge victory for the sport. Before we move on, I want to tell you why I did it. And it wasn't just an easy yes. This will be this is a very small world story. My wife has a friend from high school since eighth grade named Kelly Dukic. Her husband's best friend is a guy named Tim Mullen. Tim Mullen is the editor of Full Speed. He's one of the best editors of video in the world. And we were walking on a pickleball court together this summer at my summer place. And he goes, hey, I need to talk to you about something. I'm I'm doing a NASCAR show. And I'm like, what is it? And he goes, it's a Netflix deal. And I was like, oh, sweet. He goes, I need you, man. Will will you do it? I said, you got Dale Jr.? (laughs) Bullshit. I swear to I swear on all it's holy. I said, is Dale Jr. involved? He goes, he wants to be. We've had discussions. He wants to be an executive producer. I said, you need to do it. You need to text him right now. Call, call whomever right now and make it happen. Because if you want instant credibility, and I'm serious now, if you want this thing to work, you got to have him in it. Because you are walking credibility for for the fan base and for like think about the athlete all right christian mccaffrey he's gonna play in the super bowl on sunday and then he'll come home and he'll either win or he won't he'll go about his life and he'll be training and then him and his girlfriend will sit down on the couch one night he'll be like i'm gonna watch that nascar thing and the second you pop up he'll be like this thing's awesome it's just the truth man okay you say it (laughs) (laughs) yeah i hope i you know obviously i hope that it is very successful um and I don't know how we can truly measure its impact, but and I and the other thing too is so me and I want its impact to be long standing. I want it to be I want it to be total uh, producing for us, you know, for months. Right? We had a big splash when it come out, and then you're like, okay, is people are you know people going to continue to find it? Um, me and me and Blaney went to New York City to do uh, Kelly Clarkson show, and it won't air right before daytona where we talk about we did it literally to promote uh the netflix show and it's the only only reason i go out there and do that and it, it, i don't i don't get anything out of that but i just want people to continue to to see it if you haven't seen it right i want you to hear me on kelly clarkson in february and go damn i do need to watch that i've got that on my list or whatever but um what what it can do for the sport i don't know we'll see um but I feel like that, like we got all the tools. Sports ready for a resurgence. I agree. I I, I think what in the in the short term, I think the ultimate impact of it within the sport is that 
any race drivers who weren't fully invested in opening their homes and hearts to those that crew yeah i think we'll now see the value of oh my now i get it i understand why like denny was smart yeah he was denny was very smart he nearly hijacked the whole thing yeah i mean it was a it was a damn denny hamlin infomercial (laughs) it was but but people got to see really what he's about and i enjoyed it even though i know him i mean i i really enjoyed it yep um man i know you got a lot going on i've enjoyed sitting down talking to you today where you headed next i have a bunch of golf coming up college basketball i'm going to daytona um what are you going to do in daytona i'm going to uh actually interview a bunch of hopefully you'll come by i'm going to interview some guys for nascar and i'm going to interview florida state's head football coach mike norvell uh at a big brunch they're doing and mcgee and i are going to do our show down there on saturday morning in daytona in daytona i'll be there saturday come by i'm coming in i'm coming in on saturday morning and then i'm watching xfinity race and then i'm going to go back home what time are you land saturday morning probably right before lunch what time's your show seven to ten i need to move it up then come on yeah get out of the bed leave here leave here at earlier. seven and yeah. land down there at eight run right to you <laughs> i will tell you man um i've never been on have i i've called in but i've I never like physically i don't think so yeah i've never physically been there which is ridiculous yeah honestly. i think y'all i don't know if i called in or we talked during commercial one time when y'all had that that was uh remember that i forget what the team was wearing dad's shirts as inspiration baseball team oh yes Who it was, was vmi yeah yeah we i called y'all or mark or mcgee called me or i don't know and he, he was he was like we're under oh it was doing <laughs> y'all were interviewing him and i te- we anyways no, we're getting in the weeds but i want to be on the show man uh that it's an open well invitation. since daytona i guess you know guess i'll fit right in can you if you move in or move in if you move it up yeah you come on i could probably be there because we'll look you can stay the whole damn time I if you want to that. i can do that we got plenty know. of stories to tell yeah. about down there yeah i mean i that place is so special yeah and i know it's very special oh, yeah. to you i've actually grown my appreciation for it since i'm not in the sport all the time uh there in talladega too yeah i just love the energy at both of those places and i love the racing i know it's a polarizing thing it is but i love it too big packs but i just think it's so awesome to watch i think it's a great entertaining thing and i know the rate the drivers maybe don't agree with us about that because this guy that wins the races there is definitely happy it's just such a unique skill yeah to be able to have the mental strength to race that way for that long yeah and then you know guys like you there's certain guys you obviously were always so so unbelievable at it denny's very good at it Mm -hmm. i mean murray was always up front all the time stenhouse seems to have it just to kind of understand how lines run and how blocks are coming blaney yeah he's always up front at those races but i love them yeah i'm looking forward to it man the daytona 500 is right around the corner um your college game day stuff's wrapping up when um well so the foot yeah the football season's over now we're into basketball so so you're in the basketball now in the basketball i'm broadcasting hoops. you don't have any time off summer 
What? I, I do my best. How'd you how'd you pull that? That's like the best time of the year to be I off. I do my best to be absent and off the grid in uh, a lot of June yeah. and a lot of July before college football starts again. Uh, but well, lucky you. That's what I try to do, Man, and that's you got when that figured out. That's when it's just cranking up for you, Bubba. <laughs> I know it. My wife would love for me to have June and July <laughs> off. Anyways, all right, Marty. Thanks for coming through, man. It's a great way for us to kick off our first episode or our first guest episode of the download this year. Um, we will have amazing ratings because of the Marty Smith effect. And that you know how it is, man. You get them ratings wherever they start. They go up from there. <laughs> so we're going to start high. It's going to be a good year here at the Dale Jr. Download. Thank you, bud. Love you, man. I appreciate you having me so much. And uh, not only uh, do I love you as a friend, but I've admired you uh, both as a competitor and as a person and for forever. Yeah. I can't believe we've been friends for 25 years. A long time. Yep. There's a few people in life that no matter what you need, if you called them, they would always, A, answer the phone and do anything you asked. And you're one of those people, buddy. I'm sure you're that for a lot of people. Um, I've only, I'm, I'm only that for maybe a couple people I can count on, maybe one or one or two hands. And you're, you probably are like that for a hundred, 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 <laughs> Come on, 200, man. 300 people. I'm terrible at returning texts though. No, you ain't. You're good, man. Hey, we love you. We appreciate you. Marty Smith on the Dale Jr. Download. Man, it's always great to have such an incredible guest on the show. Marty is, uh, going to get this year. Uh, going and and great conversation great insight i always knew him to be that way and uh, and and for him to come in here and share with us was excellent so thanks again to ally you know no matter what you're saving for whether it be race tickets to the race this year a car or even a new home we're all better off with an ally Uh, a couple other things i wanted to touch on uh before we wrap up wednesday's show a couple books are coming out that, you know, I just wanted to mention. Jeff Bodine has a new book coming out called All of It. The Daytona 500 champion tells the rest of the story. And inside of this book, man, I'm telling you, I've only read about probably a third of it. But this dude, Jeff, makes some claims that I believe some of y'all are going to find pretty profound about his his career and some of the ways that he thinks some things went down. It's just very, very interesting. And I actually might, as I read, I want to read the book more before I start telling or sharing some of that with y'all. But this might be actually fun for our uh, Tuesday t- uh, Dirty Air uh, to debate with Andrew and the guys some of these, uh, some of the things that Jeff feels like, uh, you know, he experienced in his career. Another book coming out, one of our great friends, and he might actually come on here in the next uh in the next few episodes to discuss this book ray everham trophies and scars trophies and scars it's a very very honest take on his own career he's very very honest and open and truthful in this uh in this book um i'm i'm i talked to ray multiple times about it um this must have been extremely therapeutic for for him to to write and so he wants to i believe come to the show maybe and, and share why he wrote the book, and, and, and we can talk about some of the things in it. Also, I uh, want to remind everybody, we um, we mentioned it. Maybe you don't know. The Dale Jr. Download is going to have full episodes on our YouTube page. You you know, you go to the Dale Jr. Download YouTube page, and there'll be full episodes. Also, Door Bumper Clear 
and actions detrimental they now have their very own youtube pages that you'll need to subscribe to they too will have full episodes out at the first of the week all right well that's it for me this week i've really enjoyed being back at the table back creating content here for the dale jr download but we have one more episode tomorrow there'll be the thursday dale jr download reloaded where the fans are going to react we're going to hear from y'all that's going to be a lot of fun to see how that show uh evolves this year but that's for that's it for me i will be back next tuesday uh with the rest of the crew for dirty air and uh, i'm off to race at florence on saturday weather permitting in uh in our little eight mile stock car for bass pro shops so maybe i'll see you at the racetrack if not we'll be back here next week check out dirty mo media on twitter facebook tiktok and instagram